Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Well, thank you again for being here today. We're going to just wrap up today with a, with a message. Um, we've been in a series. We're talking about different prayers in the Bible that people prayed. Um, and today I just, you know, it was already in the schedule. And these are the times you're like, God knows what he's doing. And uh, the message today was about the Lord's Prayer. Um, how many people know the Lord's Prayer? If you do, let, let's say it together quick, can we? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus teaches us that there's this thing in the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' longest sermon. And in that moment, they say, hey, Jesus, how do we pray? And man, the best part, Jesus starts with, well, not like the religious people. (laughs) They're full of hot air, and they go on forever. It's as if God, when certain people prayed, even God's like, I get it. You've said what you're going to say. Let's move on. Because God isn't necessarily impressed by what we do uh, as far as like our piety, right? Some of, us, some of us have been creasters, right? That's the joke, the Christmas and Easter Christians, right? Like I go, the, I go two days a year, sometimes, right? And, 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 that's, and then we're like, we, we punch the card and we're good. And some of, some of us are like, well, I'm there every week. And then you're like, well, I don't know, you're just a better human being all around, aren't you, right? And that's the way we think. Like, well, I never go, so I guess I'm going to hell three times, right? And, and, and the truth is, none of the above is true. Because what saves us is not our action. What saves us is Jesus. See, we, we come to church because in that moment, he changes us more. We get to know him more. We get to know his people. Something happens in our lives, but Jesus starts with, I'm not really impressed by the religion. And if you really want to know how to talk to me, I'm going to tell you how to talk to me. And if there's one thing I believe Brittany knew, she knew that God loved her and she came to know the love of the Lord. But more than that, I 100% believe she wanted everyone in this room to know that love too. Is there anybody in this room who Brittany invited you to church? Anybody? Jordan? Yeah. Anybody else? It's okay. Nobody's going to call you out. It's all right. (laughs) Right? Why? Because she wanted people to know God was amazing. And Jesus teaches us, this is how you can commune with God. You can be in relationship with him. The first thing right there, he says, Father, who art in heaven. Father. Father. 
He starts with father. Do you know, in the Bible, most of the Old Testament, most of the Pharisees, those were the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they did not refer to God as father very much. They felt it was irreverent. It was unholy to do that. It wasn't, it wasn't good. And almost every time Jesus goes to pray, he refers to God as Father. And at the end of his life, when he's hanging on the cross, he cries out to God and says, Abba! And that, the, the best translation of that is like, Daddy. That was wildly irreverent. He didn't talk about God that way. We don't understand that fully now because we don't get reverence anymore. That's really not part of our culture. There's not a lot we revere anymore. But Jesus says the reverence is good, the relationship is better. See, God would rather have somebody come in relationship than not come at all. Reverence is good, relationship is better. He wants to be your father. But there's a problem. You see, I believe in the Lord's Prayer, what's laid out before us is how God wants us to relate to Him. But I think in the same time, He's also pointing out all the problems humanity has with God. And He's trying to solve them in this moment. See, one of the problems is there's a lot of people who don't like their dad, who have absentee fathers, fathers who aren't there, just people who are bad fathers. Some people who never knew their fathers. How do you relate to God as a dad when that's your dad? That's a good question. That's fair. And the truth is, I don't fully know it. If I'm honest, I had a good dad and he was there. He's still here. He's sitting over there. (laughs) But he starts with, I'm your father. I made you. I formed you. You're not an accident. I love you. I have a purpose and a plan for you. That's where God starts with us. You know what he doesn't start with? He doesn't start with, you're bad and I kind of think I hate you. He doesn't start with that, does he? He doesn't start with, well, you're going to hell. Better fix that. He doesn't start with any of that. Right? Does anybody want to start a relationship with somebody who's like, Hi, how are you? Good, are you going to hell? I think I'm going to sit in a different train car today. Right? That's not a relationship. All all of a sudden the relationship's over. We start, God starts with relationship that says, I am your father and I made you. I have a plan for you. I love you. I am for you. I am on your side. You have a destiny. Right now, this room is filled with people whose, who Brittany's life touched. Why? Because God had a purpose and a plan for her. And you're part of it. And for those of you who are like, well, I don't know God as Father. That's hard for me. What if you erased all your presuppositions about what a father was? And imagine everything a perfect father could be. God is that, and infinitely more so, and better than you could ask, think, or imagine. That's the kind of father he is. And he wants you and I to talk to him that way. And then, our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Nobody talks like that, do we? How was the service? Hallowed. Very hallowed today. No, what that means is holy or set apart, different, no one like him. The thing about the God that we believe in is there's nobody like him. And we can't even under, understand him fully, but we can know him better. You know, the world is filled with other religions besides Christianity. Some people believe, well, they're all the same. Some people believe, well, they're all stupid. Some people believe, well, they're all good, and, and they all lead to the same place. And what I would tell you is all of those answers are all wrong. <laughs> Jesus made very exclusive claims that he was the one That he was the son of God. And he was the only way anybody gets to heaven. You don't get to heaven by your good works, your first communion, your baptism, and then you're there. No. Can we really buy our way into heaven? If God is holy, he's never sinned, there's nobody like him, he's perfect in every way. If he is that, if he is this perfect father with no flaws and nothing wrong with him, and if we sin even once, how do we ever cross the chasm to get back to him? Can we really take a class every Saturday for seven years and be like, I got this? No. Can we really serve the prison time, the, the, the purgatory time, the, the, the church service time and be here enough and be on the setup and the teardown team and thrive enough to say, we're good, God? No. And that's why he sent Jesus. When we couldn't do it, he could. I'll fulfill that law. I'll live the perfect life. I'll take your place. And I'll forgive you. I'll redeem you. He will be the holy one. Set apart. There's nobody like... See, the difference between Christianity and every other world religion... Here it is. If you don't know... Every other world religion, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and down the line, every single, Scientology, if you want to get really weird, okay, just down the line, all of them, all of them are working your way up to God. Christianity is the only one where God steps down to us and says, I got this. The only one. It's the only one where God says, I will take your place because I want you that bad. He wants to know you that much, to love you and to pour into you. That's how good Jesus is. And one of the issues, again, that comes up, one of the problems with it is some would say, you know, you can never fully know God. And I would tell you, if you think you fully know him, you don't. That's religion. Like, I got God down, I know, Christianity and Jesus and communion and Church on Sundays and blah, blah, blah. I get it. You might understand some systems. You might understand some church things, but you can't fully know God. If you think, I know God loves me. If that is our response, I know God loves me. Then you don't know the depths of his love for you. Because if you did, it would wreck you. It would drive you to your knees. It would lay, lay you prostrate. You would be un, if you understood the paradise and the joy and the perfection that Brittany knew now, you would long for it. 
That's what holiness is. That's, that's a God that's nothing like us. When you think you've gotten him, you haven't even begun to understand him. He's amazing. He's awe-inspiring. He's wonderful. This week, the night before I got the news about Brittany, it, that day it was, uh, it was my birthday, and my wife and I went out to dinner that night. Now, uh, I really like a great steak. Like, that's my favorite meal of all meals. And you're like, I can see that. It's fair. It's fair. And almost every year, and this year she's like, we can go anywhere you want. Man, every time, like, don't say that to me. <laughs> that is like the thing you don't want. If you say that to me, almost every time it's like, guess, anybody can guess where I want to go? Texas, nope, higher. <laughs> Gibson's Steakhouse. Anybody here ever went to Gibson's? Yeah, it's expensive. It's Take out a car payment for it. But it's, it's amazing. And then we go like maybe once or twice a year to a meal like that. Uh, we feel guilty after, but we feel good during. And, uh, and, and here's the weird thing. That day, that night, I was not in the mood for steak. And I know, we stopped, we prayed over me. Is something wrong? Is everything okay? Um, I just wasn't. It was weird. And I was like, Let, you know, we're going to go to this restaurant, and it was, it was Bonefish in Orland, which there's almost never a day I'm like, you know what I'd like? Fish. <laughs> that never happens. But this day was like, oh, I think we'll do that. And, and we went. And as soon as the waitress comes to the table, I hear the Holy Spirit in my heart say, I have a word for her. We have something for her. We're going to pray over her. Sure enough, for the second or third time she came up, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I spoke to her. I said, I, I believe God wants me to share something with you, that your heart has recently been broken. You've been devastated in your life, and that God sees you. He still has a plan, and he will not leave you. Her name was Jade, and she began to ugly cry at our table. <laughs> and she told us how she just moved and how she's devastated and a lot of things in her life aren't going right and she's having to live with people she didn't fully want to live with. And, and we were able to pray with Jade and point to her. And not, not, This story is not about how awesome I am. No, what I'm saying is God knows what he's doing. He has things lined up. And even when it seems like God has failed, I promise you he hasn't. There's nobody like him, and he knows what he's doing. The next one, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is a big one, God's will. Just so you know, the best way of knowing God's will is knowing his word and knowing his character. You've got to know the Bible if you want to know God. And you're like, how do I do that? This is a good moment right here. Being in church is good. It's helpful. Reading your Bible, also very good. But when you start learning about God's will, see, I remember when Seth passed, just feeling like, ah, and a friend pulling him in. He's like, you know how I know that God and death, that God's not working with death in like backdoor deals? Because sometimes that's the way it feels, right? Like, did you set this up, God? No, no, I can go back to the Bible, and I can all go all the way back to Genesis. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, and they broke God's heart, and sin and death entered the world, in that moment, it all changed. 
See, that was never God's plan. But God's will will still be done. See, the day Jesus died, the devil thought he won. That wasn't over. Sunday was coming. Hope was still here and on the horizon. Good things were still ahead, and God was still good. When the world isn't, see, everything that happens here, we think is somehow, and that's a good trick of the enemy, right? Anybody here ever seen years ago a movie called The Usual Suspects? It's a great line in that movie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And if the devil doesn't exist, then you've got to blame God for all the problems or somebody else. But there's other things in play. But the best part is, even though the devil sometimes seemingly wins, God's will will always win. And we cry out for that, God, let your will be done. Do what you want. Not even what I want, what you want. Sometimes we ask, is God in control? And I would say yes, but it's not that simple because we control, God in being in control doesn't mean causality. God has allowed choice in this world, and we have all, including me, chosen sin at times. Now, very few of us uh, choose to live a bad life and things like that, but the truth is none of us are getting out alive, not one. I don't know one either. And you say, that's not fair. Agreed. I totally agree with you. But the best part is, because of Jesus, his will is still being done. And the moment, the moment any one of us who said yes to Jesus in our hearts, the moment our eyes close for the last time, they open to the presence of the Savior. Instantly. There's no waiting there's no foyer <laughs> instantly in his presence. The Bible tells us that. Man, that is awesome news. The next part, give us this day our daily bread. Some of us are anti-carb, so we don't like that verse. Like, no, I'm, I'm gluten-free, so um, maybe God could give me something else. Perhaps a wafer that's gluten-free which we have today when we take communion. We understand, but give us, what Jesus is really telling us is, I'm going to give you everything you need to sustain you for as long as there is breath in your lungs. Man, those first days, those first few weeks after Seth passed, I mean, it feels like you wake up to a nightmare and you're living in it and you, you can't wait for it to stop. Like you keep thinking it'll stop, it'll stop, it'll stop. And you don't. It's not stopping. How do you make it? Daily bread. If you are here right now in this moment breathing and you got through the first day you heard the news and the next day and the next and it got you to this moment, that is God's sustaining power over your life because he has a purpose and a plan for you and for you, he's not done. That is daily bread. That's it, saying, God, just get me through. Just get me this far. And I promise you this, if God has brought you this far, it is not to leave you here. He is a good God. 
When the world isn't, he is. See, unfortunately, we govern our view of God based on what happens in this world. But he is holy. He's outside of this thing. He's working in it, but he's not of it. He's separate. He's different, and he's good. So when nothing is good, he is. When nothing is right in the world, he's still right. That's the best part of it. He is amazing when everything is awful. He may not give you everything you want, which is actually good news, right? If you have kids, you know, giving them everything they want, not so good, right? Anybody here know somebody, don't point, but who gave their kids everything they wanted? Don't point, though. Don't be like, yep, Gary over there. But you know those people? They're the worst kids, aren't they? Just the worst, like, will you babysit? You know, I'm busy doing anything else. <laughs> right? Those are the worst kids. God won't give us everything we want, but he will be everything we need. I promise you. And you're like, but this pain, it's so huge. God is bigger. This grief is too hard to bear. Then give it over. He will pick it up. I'm not saying your feelings are going to get better in a heartbeat. That's probably, that's not going to happen. But God won't waste an ounce of it. Every ounce of your pain, every minute of your struggle, every heartache you ever face, every lost relationship, every dollar lost, every divorce, if you say, God, take all my brokenness, I promise you he won't waste it. I promise. Resurrection is what he does. When it has all failed and gone, he says, give it over. For those of you, what's the next part? And that's how we know. Like, all right, but how do I let this thing go? God, forgive me as I forgive others. Man, that's a big one. I would argue the human condition is the need for forgiveness. For some of you, there's some people in this room who are like, I don't believe in sin. And yet at times you feel guilty. That doesn't really add up, does it? See, the human condition knows when things are wrong. We all know murder is wrong. At least I hope we do. If not, see somebody to pray with after, not me. Okay? We all know that's, that's evil, it's wrong, it's, something's off. When there's injustice, we say it's wrong. Why? Because we are sinners in need of a Savior. That's the need for God. Forgive me. Make me right with you. What's the most amazing thing, though, is we want to and somehow sustain ourselves in this place of unforgiveness. We keep positioning ourselves. If you're a Christian, you say, well, God can't forgive me for this or that. How did you come to faith again? And some of us won't come to faith because we won't forgive somebody else. Bitterness is like drinking a poison and expecting the other person to die. It's wrapping a rope around your neck and then giving them the other side. It's only hurting you. 
How many people have known somebody who's mad at somebody else? The other party doesn't even know they're mad at him anymore. I knew a guy, we worked at a church years ago named Glenn, and Glenn, Glenn was a good guy in a lot of ways, but Glenn had one running issue in his life. He was in his 70s, and he was still fuming about something that happened 40 years before. He had worked at 3M, and, and basically, within the company, he, he claimed that he had invented the barricade in a police car between the back seat and the front seat, which is, if you're a cop, that's a really nice thing to have, isn't it? I, I, I would look forward as a cop to be like, that. yeah, I prefer that being there. But he, and that somebody in the company stole his idea and, and, and wrecked him for it. And he lived with it. He talked about it on a regular basis. And it, you could tell there was just unforgiveness and bitterness in his life. It was killing him. It's amazing the hate we can get used to. But Jesus can change it. See, forgiveness isn't saying what they did was right. Forgiveness is saying, God, I give justice over to you. You're better at it than me. Forgiveness is saying, God, I know I've wronged you. I know I've wronged other people. I know I've wronged myself. But I believe in your resurrection power that you can make me right in all the ways I'm wrong. That's what forgiveness does. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here's the problem with this. Evil does abound. This world is broken. If you're here today, you know that. Anybody who says, no, the world is just what it is. It's just a place. No, in a moment like this, we all know something is wrong. And what is wrong? The sin problem in this world. And we have all tasted of it. We've all taken it into our hearts. We've all said yes to it. And it's hurt every last one of us. But there's great news. He came to rescue us. He came to save you. He came to redeem you. And some of us are resistant, like, well, I don't like the church's rules on this, and I don't, man, stop making this about church, or about me, or about Thrive, or about what you've been through. It's about Jesus coming for you, and knowing your name, and coming into our hearts and lives. And I'm saying, yeah, Jesus, please come in. I can't do this alone. The only real choice we have in life is whom will you serve? Ourselves or Jesus? Every choice we make flows out of that one choice. Every single one. time that Seth passed, believe me, my faith was, I hear songs like, oh, our faith will not be shaken. My faith was shaken. Radically. Moments like this, not as much now because of what I've been through. If you're like, my faith is shaken, I don't have much right now. That's okay. Well, let me ask you the question I felt the Lord posed to me in that time. 
me rejecting or receiving God in this moment will not change a thing as far as the circumstance. And I just realized, would I rather go through this with him or without him? Would you rather struggle alone or with a Savior and a promise of hope that I will see him? I'll see Brittany again one day. I'm going to be redeemed. God can turn it around. That when all else fails, He is good. He loves me. He is with me. He will never leave. You know, that is the last promise that Jesus said before He ascended into heaven. My little four year old daughter can quote it in Matthew 28. And I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always to the end of the age. Till there are no more things or planets. Every day, right? The news is a disgrace now. We've got to go meatless. We've got to, which is horrible. We've got to go, we've got to go green and everything. We've got to give to that country and, and stand against this country and live for that cause and not for that cause. And it changes on a dime. It is chronic. And, it, and anybody else feeling like something isn't right. It feels more broken than it's ever been. But there's also more hope than there's ever been. And that hope, that hope's name is Jesus Christ. It's not Pastor Brian, it's not Thrive Church. That's not what Brittany found here. She found Jesus. And he is real. He is in this room here right now. And if you don't know him, he longs to know you. He knocks on the door of your heart. Hey, let me in. Let me be your Savior. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Take